Now more than ever, it's important to show support for your team and your community. Visa and the National Football League know that local businesses help your community move the ball down the field. Small businesses everywhere are overcoming challenges in these new times thanks to teammates like you and Visa. Because when everyone pitches in, everyone benefits. Being loyal to local businesses ignites growth and supports all of us in our communities because they know that where you shop matters. Visa urges you to support local retailers who are making shopping safe and reliable. And remember, tap to pay with a contactless Visa whenever you see the contactless symbol to help support your community. Visa, official partner of the NFL. All right, welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growlin, Paul Daner Jr., and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here with you. Jay, how are we doing? Doing great. Nothing gets the blood pumping like Jacksonville week. Oh, so jaggy. That's a, that's a throwback. Way uh, back. For, those that, for those that have uh, been on board since the old uh, scribe session days, maybe, uh, the early days of the Inquirer, the That's So Jaggy bets, I was always making bad, I was betting on the Jaguars for like three years in a row to be better than everyone thought they were going to be. They should have been. And, then, and they just weren't, and they were just so close. They were, and, they, and that that's what uh, dubbed the phrase, that's so jaggy. Lost me, lost me a lot of money to Richard Skinner. Yeah, my two favorite <laughs> memories. Meals. Yeah. Two two favorite memories from that. That one year we're at the combine and Gus Bradley, who was the head coach at the time, oh. was up on the podium and you're just glaring at him. Like, you cost me so much money. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, when your daughter was born, I had to get her a Jags onesie. That's true. That's true. Uh that thing will now fit my youngest daughter, who is turning <laughs> one today is her birthday, which is very exciting. Maybe for your birthday you put on the Jaguars gear. I mean, that's what a terrible birthday. Uh, <laughs> uh but we've got we've got a lot to get to. Um I, I do what we're gonna get into. Who you know what? You wanna go deep cuts on HTPG? You wanna go deep cuts? How about right guards and coin flips, baby? Let's go deep. If you 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 want the minutia of Bengals football, we might have that for you today. A lot on right guard. It is. I mean, it's the topic of conversation. Is Brian Callahan said when I asked him, like, is it all stem from there? He's like, it's just so glaring. It really is. It just is. Like you when you when you lose at that spot, it is just so glaring. Not everybody's gonna be Fletcher Cox across from you, uh, but. Man, it's ugly there right now as they try to figure out what their options are. We will weigh those, as Jay did in his story uh, today, if you want to read more on that. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, a little last, uh, sort of an epilogue onto the knowing how to win thing, uh, because there are a couple interesting comments from our Zooms on Monday about that, one from DJ Reader, one from Zach Taylor. Um, and I want to talk a little bit, I- I've got I've got next-gen stats which I'm excited to get to. Uh, Jay, Jay, of course, has coin flip stats, but really, more importantly, Jay has Jay's stat. I mean, as far as I know, it's known as the Jay stat, and that is the uh, points allowed in the last two minutes of the first half, which is, I mean, a defining number of Bengals' failures over the last four or five years, I would say. Um, so you've got some goodies there. I'm excited to get into that. Another run passer boot. Um, shout out. Bengals growler bet from Thursday, so close. Oh, so close. 
but not quite. Close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, folks. Does not get you growlers, but uh, multiple off by just one from the Thursday growler bet that would have won free delicious 50 West beer for you. Instead, you get nothing. Sorry. <laughs> you, you, we, we can shout them out. I mean, we can, well, they yeah. can get a mention on the podcast. That's not give exactly it, give nothing. It, give it up, Jay. You've got it. Well, I, I do. I don't have the one. I have Johnny Nix had 52 for the combined longest running play and longest passing, or the longest mix and run and the longest passing play. And Mixon had an 11-yard run, and the longest passing play was the screen to Geo went for 42. So that winning number was 53. He missed that by one. And then a, a Matthew Crawford came really close on both numbers. He had 51 for that one. And then for the the growler bet on rushing yards by the Eagles, the number was 175 and he had 170. So he was he was right there on both. But like you said, close, but no cigar. No cigar. Shout out Monica Gleed, who sent me an email. 174 rushing yards oh. given up from Monica. 175 was the number. Sorry. Uh but thanks, everybody, for playing. We, of course, will have the next Growler bet on the Growler on Thursday, so keep an eye out for that. Let's um, also also things to keep an eye out for. Uh, all of our work up on the site uh, this week in Bengals should be up with a deeper look at the two crossing plays that I've referenced um, and really an inside look at how close they were and how it. you could argue the, the lack of attention to detail on that play. One easy detail uh, cost them the game. And uh, 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 just kind of taking a much deeper look into that, plus many other things in this week of Bengals is up. Jay's deep dive into the right guard position, final thoughts, all of that. Plus, we'll have plenty of reaction leading into Jacksonville week on on the site. And Reds playoff start on Wednesday. So you've got all of that going on from C. Trent. C. Trent and I are doing WARP in Cincinnati uh, after every single playoff game. So make sure you check back in for that um, and, and listen because it's going to be uh, we're going to be keeping you uh, regular after those. All of that, plus every single team across every single sport in the United States and over the UK Premier League, one dollar per month right now. One dollar per month, still going on. That I don't know how long it's going to last. So get to it now. One dollar per month deal going on right now. www.theathletic.com slash hear that podcast growling and uh, hit the link to subscribe there anyway let's dive in um oh gosh right guard i mean i get he, run down the list jay you wrote about it let's run down the options let's run down the options and let's discuss what is the best what will they do what you would do and where it stands okay we have in no particular order we have billy price we have fred johnson we have the rookie, Hakeem Adeniji. We have Keaton Sutherland, who they just pulled up from the practice squad on Monday. We have Alex Redman, who is currently on the practice squad, but wouldn't be surprised to see him get pulled up. We possibly might still have Shaq Calhoun. That's who they cut <laughs> yesterday to bring up Keaton Sutherland. But if he clears waivers, it wouldn't be a surprise at all to see them bring him back on the practice squad. Uh, important note there, too, the Bengals no longer have that number one uh, waiver claiming spot. Uh, now that we're past week three, it goes to current standings, and that tie bumped them ahead of six or seven teams. Um, and then... The other option would be other, TBA, somebody that's not on the roster right now. 
So that wouldn't be an option for this week, obviously. But um, Zach did say he thinks Xavier Suafilo is going to be out for at least a couple more weeks. Uh, so there, there's it's not they're not looking for a long term fix there, but it, it it's it's going to be more than a one game stopgap. So they've they've got to figure something out with with that group of guys. I have to mention I laugh about Chad Calhoun because we're talking with offensive coordinator Brian Callahan yesterday, and uh, Tyler Dragon of the Inquirer I think asked about Calhoun, and because I mean we were literally naming everyone just like what's in a, what can you do and. He starts talking. Callahan starts talking about uh, Calhoun and some of the ups and downs. Literally, as he starts, ta- as he started answering the question on Twitter, right in front of me, Bengals released Shaq Calhoun, <laughs> wave Shaq Calhoun, and it's just like as soon as he was done, I was like, uh, "You can pretty much wipe him off the table." He, you guys just waved him. I mean, that's where it's at right now. It's like the guys that we're talking about as options are getting waved. Like it's it's just it's a sad state of affairs. What did you have as the most likely? Just a spoiler alert for those that haven't heard the story. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't rank him in the story because I was just. I, I it it would have been all just speculation because we we haven't had a chance to talk to Jim Turner yet this week, and nobody, you know, Zach said that this is a decision that hasn't even been made yet. They're they're that this is a this is going to be a Wednesday decision. We'll we'll probably get a better idea when they practice Wednesday. Um, in my mind, I think it's going to be Billy Price. I, I just I don't think they can run Fred Johnson back out there again for a third game after benching him. Even though Brian Callahan said, you know that that their reaction on the field was much worse than than what they saw on tape. But but still, um, you know, Billy came in for Xavier Suafilo in the opener. They weren't thrilled with how he played. That's why Fred got the start. But. Um, you know, Billy's he's come in in a pinch hitting role, if you will, twice. Did it against the Chargers, did it against the Eagles. He has not had a chance to start a game. And, you know, it, it as difficult as that is to come in off the bench. He he hasn't he he started out okay against Philadelphia and he had a really good block on that on that geo screen to spring that. Um, but he had he had some bad plays too, and he had two penalties. Um, but I, I still just think, you know, that he's the guy. I, I think it's between him and Fred. I, I don't know that they can throw a Denigy in just yet um, as a rookie. And I just don't feel like they can go back to Fred uh, after benching him last week. So I'm, I'm going to put Billy as the most likely. And then a sleeper would be Alex Redmond, but just because he's got history at that position, um, the, the question there is rust because not only was he gone, has he been gone from the team since Labor Day weekend, but he didn't practice at all in training camp. So who knows what kind of shape he's even in at this point if he could go in and play. But um, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm putting betting odds, I, I've got Billy Price as the favorite. I disagree. I, I, I think my betting odds are on Fred. Uh, and I, because to me, the talking about the the tape not being as bad as you originally thought was maybe they shouldn't have. They feel like maybe they were a little too fast to pull Fred from that game. That there were some plays that they saw that just set them over the top um, in the moment. But looking at the totality of it all um, on the tape, so maybe Fred wasn't as bad as we thought, and that he had gotten. I mean, it was basically said that he has he got better in this game than he was against Cleveland. Um, and and for all of these guys, again, Fletcher Cox is not going to be there every week. Fletcher Cox is an absolute maniac. 
and he makes a lot of people look bad. Not typically that bad, uh, but he makes a lot of people look bad. And they and they are. It is a problem. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. It's 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 a gaping hole, and I don't know what the answer is. We're talking. I mean, we're just we're talking about band aids on dance. Which band aid do you prefer, Jay? Do you like the wide ones? Do you like the long skinny ones? Which one do you prefer on the hole in the dam? I mean, I prefer super glue. Yeah, we, what the real fix, like a new dam, <laughs> is not walking through that door, which is another option. Is what do they go outside? You know, sort of said by the coaches, the Calvary's not coming. A Pro Bowl guard is not walking through that door, and so to me, that was a, a flag way being waved of. W- w- there's nobody outside of here that we're going to bring in, or that we think we can bring in, and there's you know whether you're talking about learning systems or chemistry or just not being that good anyway, if you're on the street at this point, uh, you know, this team is not one to trade. Um, if you're looking at, you know, something I addressed in TWIB, if you're looking at the decisions they're making every week at receiver and having to sit Auden Tate, having to sit John Ross, and say, oh, trade one of those guys. One, the Bengals don't trade in season. If we ever learned that, it was last year. Like It's just not something they're going to do. Uh, they had every opportunity to make big trades. Last year, they were 0-8. They didn't do it. This year, it's early. Um, these guys don't have anywhere near the value of what they had last year. And they're... And, it's just not something they're, they're not going to do that. Um, I mean, unless John Ross is so disillusioned, or they are so disillusioned with John Ross, that it's just just whatever you can get for him, fine. What market do you think John Ross has, by the way? Somebody well, said, oh, he can help. Somebody tweeted something about he can help a team. Can he? Can, I mean, he's fast, but when has that speed showed up? When has that playmaking showed up? It's just, it's just, it's there's so much inconsistency and liability there that I I I don't these guys watch the tape too. The same tape that has you saying trade him is the same tape these people are watching. Uh and the same reason the Bengals have him inactive. Now, one man's trash is another man's treasure, but I, I don't see there being a whole lot of value or what you think you're going to get for a guy like John Ross and they're not trading on Tate. They're throwing red zone fades into him in massive spots on on Sunday. Um so I, you know, I, to me, a trade is not on the table either. Well, and the flip side of that is who's trading offensive linemen? I mean, who has a surplus <laughs> of offensive linemen right now that they're they're going to dangle? I, I, I mean, Ross is interesting because you're right; he, the, the value's not going to be good. But there's always that that thought of you know the the guy with the the clean start. I mean, I I, I think John never really has felt at home here. It was pretty clear that that Marvin wasn't thrilled with that draft pick and he he's a guy that has some fragile confidence and it was you know it was it wasn't just Marvin it was the fan base and it maybe a fresh start somewhere else would rejuvenate him but yeah you're not going to get great value for trading him and there's not no one's out there there's no quality guards out there that teams are going to trade the offensive line play across the league is pretty suspect and the other thing is you're talking about a short-term fix, and and if Xavier Suafilo is going to be back in a couple weeks, hopefully, um, by the time you get a new guy in here and he gets familiar with the offense, then then 
then what do you do? You, you don't even, if, if Suafila comes back, he, he probably goes right back in there and then you just basically traded for a backup depth piece. So yeah, a trade doesn't make sense at all. Um, and then every time somebody gets cut, we see people coming, <laughs> bringing it up on Twitter. We'll clap with the Saints just got cut. Someone actually mentioned on Twitter that Cordy Glenn is available. <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> uh, there, yeah. I mean, th- that guy is never walking back in this building again, I, that, no matter what. So it, it just, they, they they have what they have, and they're going to have to find something to plug that hole for a couple weeks, three weeks, however long it is until Xavier Suofilo gets back. And it's not that Xavier Suofilo is this all pro guy that's going to fix everything, but he's solid enough where it's not going to be a situation like Brian Callahan mentioned, where it's just a glaring problem. They just need solid, you know, yep. they, they just need solid because it exposes everything else. Um, there's no doubt about it. So to me, let's run past or boot this. Let's put it on the record. Jay, uh, most snaps, played at right guard between now and whenever Xavier Suofilo returns. Fred, Billy, other. I'll open it up. I will say I'm I'm going to say Fred. I'm running with Fred. I am passing other and booting Billy. I I think uh, the end of that game was uh, man, penalties and and just getting blown up. I think they might. I think that might have been. They already weren't super happy. And then in that moment, yeah. I just I think that might have been it. I think it's it's Alex Redman or Denigy or somewhere else uh, before they go back to Billy. That's my opinion. Um, so that's that's my that's my big three. Uh, I'm gonna run with other, and <laughs> if, if we're going Sunday only, that wouldn't be the case. But if we're if we're talking until Xavier Suafila gets back, because we, I mean. Zach's been burned a few times on injury projections. There's no guarantee that it is just a couple weeks with Xavier Suofilo. Um, well, and he and didn't say that. He just said he, he can't even he, go he, week to week right now, with yeah. the, which which to me means multiple, like many weeks. If he's not even willing to say week to week yet, I don't know. To me, that feels like month, month and a half. Mm. I don't know. I mean, if you're not... Because normally you can just say week to week and get away for that, get away with that for what, like three weeks? You can get away with that. Yeah, <laughs> you're not going there yet. I don't know where we're at. <laughs> but yeah, because I mean, the, because the window is big enough for somebody to get up to speed and get in there, and they have not been happy with Billy. They've not been satisfied with Fred. Um, I, I will, I will run with other. Um, this is tough because I picked. I, I I said Billy was the most likely to go on Sunday, but I, I don't know that he's the answer just because he goes Sunday doesn't mean he's going to end up with the most snaps, but, but by the time Suofila gets back. So I will, I will, I will run with other, I will pass on Fred and I will boot Billy as well. All right. There it is. That sets our look <laughs> excruciating. Look at the right guard <laughs> position. Uh, <laughs> let's pause for a moment to hear from some of today's sponsors. Look, thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports pants, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. Instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. You and me, Jay, that's what we do. Football season's different now, but Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. I mean, if you're excited to watch the Bengals and the Jaguars, it doesn't get bigger than that. It just doesn't. You need it. 
you want it and you need a Pepsi because it's a refreshment you need to power through any game day. Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's for those who watch it. Pepsi made for watching football. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I want to put, I want to kind of tie a bow around something that we talked a lot about on the walkout and that I wrote about after Sunday's tie against the Eagles, which I think everybody... all the coaches we've talked to since have called it a loss or almost accidentally called it a loss or referenced it as a loss. There is nobody in the building who's – there's very few people in the building seeing the silver line. DJ Reader did for a minute. Like, yeah, defense, we made three stops in overtime. Felt there was some win there, you know. Um, but most people just still – just it not, nothing about it felt like a win. Um, there are There are two quotes that I want to bring to you. And we'll give a quick react to those that were sort of following up a little bit on that concept, that idea, what I wrote about. Um, Again, you can go back to the site and read that, the post game. Um, The first from DJ Reader talking about uh, if that's a real thing, you know, the the needing to figure out how to win, if that's a real thing at all with his team, whatever. And then I asked Zach Taylor straight up, is this on you? I mean, is, is that problem with this team on you? Um, and I don't know. I don't know if people will be surprised what he said, but uh, I thought it was interesting. Anyway, here's DJ Reader first, and then Zach Taylor. Learning how to win is a. If you ask anybody who, who plays sports, especially in this league, learning how to win is the biggest thing in the world. All those years, New England, New England Patriots beating people, they weren't just better than everybody. It was just knowing how to win. Yeah. Just anybody in this league, teams that are year in and year out, they just know how to win those games. When they're winning, they don't panic. When they're losing, they don't panic. It's playing the game. Every play is a play for them. It's a challenge. And that's what you got to create in your culture, just learning how to do it. Do you need just one? Does one break the log jam, do you think? Does one? Uh, I think one breaks the log jam and gives you confidence that you can keep going. You know, it's, it's trending upward. Uh, a lot of low-score losses, low-score losses are tied. And, you know, you, you're trying to break it open. You got it, but it's hard. It's hard. It's hard with anything. You know, anything you're trying to break open and change, it's it's going to be tough. And there's always going to be obstacles. When you feel like you're right there, it's going to get in your way. And you got to break it open. You got to be the one to push that door open. Zach, we just had DJ Reader on here, and he was talking about the importance of learning to win. And we've talked a lot about that over the course of this offseason. How much does that fall on you as a head coach? And how much is that something that has to come from the players? Yeah, I, I, I'll put it all on me, to be quite honest with you. You know, and it's it's not just saying, hey, we're, we're play away. we got to make a play. we got to find the, the opportunities during the week um, to get those small wins during the week when they're going to add up on game day where um, they lead to that one play. And so, again, just as a coaching staff, continue to be creative with our approach over the course of the week and not let things get monotonous just because we do it Wednesday this way. We're going to continue to do Wednesday. We're, we're going to explore every option to help give our team that edge and, and help find uh, that first win for us because I do really believe it'll snowball from there. You know, Zach tends to be, I mean, he's good. He's good with the media. I mean, he's, he knows what he knows what he's saying. He's, he's polished in that area. I mean, it's not a Marvin Gaff fest. 
um, when when he's talking to us. Um, he's he's very cognizant of of what he's saying and and you know saying I put it all on me. To be honest, uh, I, I think is I, I think that's I think it's one genuine and two uh, also what he has to say and he knows what he has to say he knows what it looks like if he doesn't say that um so it, it part partly yeah that's that's what you would expect a coach to say but also there's something to say in that and it, it is on his shoulders like that's his record that's his defining trait right now as much as anything and um you know you have players and everybody talking about how important it is and how they need to do it and a coach saying well it's on me well there you go. So to me, that's where you direct that criticism because that's where we've been told to direct that criticism. Yeah, I, I, I don't buy it because you asked me in the postgame in the walkout about it, and I said 50% players, 50% coaches. And you know, players do have to make plays, and there were plays to be made there. And if, if they win that game, um, it, it wasn't be, it was going to be because players made plays. It wasn't going to be because anything that the coaches did necessarily – I thought the the more interesting thing there was that you know Zach kind of take not taking the focus away, but in addition to game day and making the the right call play calls and in in the other in game decisions and that that type of stuff, he 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 talked about during the week leading up to the game about how he needs to be better. They as coaches need to be better there and not letting it get stale and and keeping things fresh and I thought that was an interesting perspective there because so many times you know you coaches get locked into these just this rigid schedule of you we're doing it this way we're doing it this way and I did that think that was interesting to you know for a, a fairly young team um for for him to to see that that you know they need to mix things up a little bit and keep it fresh um that I guess that's what you want to hear from a coach is that he's to say it's a hundred percent on me but I don't buy it. I, I I think the the players are equally, if if not just a little bit less culpable. I mean, if T Higgins makes a catch that he should make, if Auden Tate understands the basics of the on this play, you are allowed to hit the guy, like on that crosser, third and four, near midfield. Overtime, your prime opportunity, biggest biggest play of the game. They're running a play that they love against man coverage just the way they want it. A.J. Green coming across with Darius Slay right behind him. Auden Tate is right in position to make the contact within one yard of the line of scrimmage. It's all right there, and he moves out of the way. If he doesn't do that, if he just does what he's supposed to do, just stand there and make contact with Darius Slay because you're on the line of scrimmage because that's how the play's designed. A.J. Green is running for another 10 to 15 yards in a conservative view, and it's first and 10 on the Eagles' 45 in overtime. And you're you're on you're basically on Randy Bullock's foot. Oh, you know, well, that's it's not always great, but you're at least you're kicking the game winning field goal. Whether it goes in or not is you know you can people could be blowing up Twitter about Randy, but. You know, that is like the most basic stuff. There's a million of those. And but that that's the type of things. And, and, you know, there's sure there's youth out there. You know, T Higgins is figuring out how to play. He's figuring out that you can't go out of bounds. Uh, You know, Tate is, you know, I don't know. He he doesn't really have excuses for, for missing that type of stuff. But, you know, you get a lot of guys out there. Joe Burrow's a rookie, even though he doesn't play like it. Uh, You know, all that stuff, whatever. 
you know, we're not talking about this topic. But the truth is that stuff's either not getting hammered home during the week. Guys don't have a full understanding of that. Or you're playing too many young guys. Whatever it is, that is where that comes from. This is not, you know, for a lot of it's not game day. A lot of it is, man, you've got to just, you got to know that play. You got to know that play, Drew Sample, on the other crosser. I mean, read more about that in Twib. Um, I have another topic I don't know that I've heard anybody talk about, but has occurred to me after we talked to Carl Lawson. Carl Lawson taking a lot of pride and having a lot of edge talking about wanting to be a three-down guy and about how he thought he showed that when given more opportunities to stop the run, and he did. Uh, If you're a PFF person, Lawson as good against the run as almost anybody um, he's been making stops. He's been in the backfield. And obviously, he's he's far and away been their best pass rusher as far as productivity goes. He's been top 15 edge guy in the league. Pass rush productivity, again, PFF. Um, if you get him as somebody who can be pretty good stopping the run, or at least second best on this team stopping the run on the edge, how long till he's starting over Carlos Dunlap, who has come off to a sluggish start yet again? I know we... You know, Carlos had some plays on Sunday, but, you know, as a whole, um, he has not rushed the passer very well. Um, and he has, there's been plenty of times where he's been a liability against the run. I, I kind of wonder if it might not be too long until if Lawson has another couple games like this, I could see the snap count percentage flipping from Lawson around that 50 to 55 range and Carlos up in that 75 range. I could see those two flopping. And you could argue that, that that would actually help Carlos. I think less is more with Carlos at this point in his career that, you know, he, he does a dog. It's a bad term, but he's not, he doesn't go a hundred percent every play. Let's say that. And, and part of that is just because he's he's getting to that age where that's hard to do and we're we're still playing in warm weather and he's he, he wears down and um i just i i think that 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 would actually help him to kind of put him in that that third down specialist role now in theory you never know how he's going to take it in his right. head he, he could brood and pout um but you know you're still getting the same money he's not he's not going to get another big contract this is it for him um so, you know, maybe he maybe he sees the light and sees that he could be more productive with with a lighter load. But I agree. I mean, Carl has has looked great, and it's not, you know, he he talked like you said. He talked about wanting to prove he can be a good run stopper. What what I've been most impressed with is he's he's a guy that's always been known as that speed guy off the edge, and he's got that great bend and he can get around guys, but he's pushing tackles around. He's stronger. He, he had a bull rush against Peters on um, Sunday that was really impressive, just drove him back to the quarterback. Um, I, I I think he's really coming into his own, and it's it's contract year. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a this is a huge moment for Carl Lawson, and he, you know, he's 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 not a guy that's driven solely by the money, but that doesn't hurt. And this is, I do, I I agree with you. I think at some point and maybe sooner rather than later, we're going to see those roles flip. You know, we talk so much about uh, 
the the analytical turn that the league has taken over the last few years, and a, a big component of that has been more throwing on first down. That is, um, you know, where you see all the efficiency lies. It's where the, the most productive offenses live is understanding that you're just going to be more effective. You're going to score more points. Your drives are going to be more successful. You're going to have more expected points per attempt if you're throwing more on first down. The league's doing it. I think there's an advantage to having your best pass rusher out there on first down more. Uh, And even second down, unless you're playing the Bengals and you're going to get a bunch of second and long runs. But, you know, you get... And the the bottom line is I look at production. And and Carlos Dunlap, as a productive pass rusher, has been... Nil. He is. He, I mean, it's he. It just is the fact. He hasn't been back there that often. Uh, whereas when Lawson's in there, when Hubbard, you know, Hubbard less so, but Hubbard's opportunities have been lessened because he's had to move inside a lot uh, on on passing downs. Um, you know, when Gino comes back, you, do you do you have some third down? Do you have some some plays, more plays where? It's just Hubbard and Lawson out there, and Carlos is on the side. I, I you know, the, at a certain point, it's about production, and, and this team has showed the one thing they have showed is they'll, they'll play whoever if they feel like they're playing better. I do, I do worry what would happen if you if you took snaps away from Carlos Dunlap. Obviously, however, um, you know Lawson is productive, and personally, I, I think I'd prefer to see more Carl Lawson out there. Um, and and I and I also agree with you that I think you would get more out of Carlos if his snaps were slightly less as well. Um, something to watch. I don't, you know, that is not something that has been said to me or I'm not, I, that's my personal thought. When you hear Lawson saying what he says, you 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 see the numbers. They're looking at the same stuff we are. Um, it, it would not surprise me. Um, I want to, I have, uh, I have next gen stats. Jay's got stats coming, but I've got next-gen stats. Are you ready for this? I am. Okay. So we have talked, and another component of the Crosser story that's in there that I didn't even dive fully into is that should A.J. Green be running away from some undrafted free agent from four years ago on these Crossers? (laughs) Like, Isn't that designed for somebody with some speed to be able to leave somebody in his dust, which didn't happen? Darius Slay, I'll buy. Like, Slay was uncontacted and right on him, and he's you know you're not going to run away from him necessarily. You know, it did it, it, it certainly didn't look like Usain Bolt crossing that field on that speed route. You could, that's one where you may wish that you had John Ross been out there running that. Maybe, uh, who knows what direction he would have gone? But or if he would have caught it, or if he would have caught it. But you, you, that's just it. That's that's ex- uh, the perfect example of a play where you need more speed on the field. People talk about taking the top off the offense, which is relevant. But a lot of times you need the speed for plays like that, where it's just get to the other side as fast as possible. That's where the space is. AJ Green, next gen stat. Uh, thanks to Sports Radar, I have some, some top max speeds by. Players on a route, whether they got the ball or not, um, from two, from the last time AJ Green played in 2018. AJ Green up at the top with John Ross, running at 20.9455, 21 miles per hour at one point, multiple over 20, a ton over 20. 
uh, a bunch more around 19.7, 19.8, 19.6, all these different times that that was, that's where he is in 2018. So far, if you go to 2020, you don't have him in that range. If you, if you go to 2020, you have AJ Green way down the list. Around 18 and a half. He had one play where he got to low 19s. Everything else is down around 18, 17, lower. That's significant. We can talk about the eye test. We, we, we can talk, but we have the numbers now. Like we, we have the ability to see depreciating speed. Now, th- this could kick up. I mean, maybe they're not, maybe he's not running the, the right routes. John Ross is right around the same. John Ross, when he has, they have tracked him at up over 21 again. Um, you know, Brian Callahan said yesterday, you know, AJ Green can still take top off a little bit. Dan Horde with a question, rightly. Well, he used to be able to take top off a lot. And it, that's just, you know, there's just a lot of, call it knocking off the rust, call it no training camp, call it a hamstring thing, call it whatever you want. The bottom line is the numbers say that this guy is running a mile or uh, one or two miles per hour slower than he was in, two years ago. That's a problem. That's exactly what we've been talking about, that your eyes have told you the numbers are saying the same thing. Now, is are, are those numbers by route? Like, is it a, a crossing route versus a nine route? This is max speed tracked. On, because that's the thing. If 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 you're running a crossing route, you you don't have time to get up to that that top speed. But at some point, to- you opened it up. At some point in the course of the first three games, AJ Green was asked to run straight and fast. Yeah, I imagine you're right. That that the deep ball. Um, right in the San Diego I mean, game, so. and that's done. That's not counting when he catches it or when he's thrown it. Right, it's just route run fast at any point, and it's just where the numbers are ranging. And you know, the Bengals. Uh, I would are I would assume Sam Francis, the analytics department, is is tracking that and seeing those numbers the same as everybody else. And you know, that's what it is right now. And I'll be curious to see if AJ Green starts popping up into the higher areas as things go go on, or if or if this is his new spot. I don't know. Just those numbers alone, or I mean, everybody knows that not all of us can play football, but that's something you can put. You can use real life comparison. Next time you're at the gym, jump on a treadmill and try to go 10 miles an hour and see how hard <laughs> that is. And these guys are running 19 to one. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's insane. It is insane. It is insane. And asking and being asked to make do serious critical thinking uh, and playmaking at 19 miles per hour as well. I mean, it is hard, but that's what they're asked to do. And that's why they're, well, they're paid a lot of money to do it because there's not many people that can do it. Um, AJ Green paid a lot of money to do it. Um, Jay, you've got coin flip stats. We've been teasing this. It's very exciting. People want to hear more about coin flips. Shout out Kevin Huber. Is Kevin Huber going to be the guy now after the Bengals go 0 for 3 to start games? Go- Huber with had clutch gene goes out on the opening coin to- the coin toss for overtime, nails the tails, 
Never fails. I mean, Huber's got to be the guy now, just out there just shouting tails all day long, right? It's got to be it. Yeah, because, well, Zach said, he's I got to find one of these captains that can win a coin toss, and when I do, I'm going to ride him till he loses. <laughs> um, I wish there was a way to go back and see what was actually called on all these. All I could, you know, you can look up <laughs> who like, won the coin toss. If you're out but, there calling heads, you need to get out of town. <laughs> Come on. I, I imagine it, it happens more than you think. Everybody says tails never fails, but I, I imagine it, it's probably a 50-50 split. Heads need to roll. Game... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, because it was I tweeted it as soon as they lost that coin flip against Philly. It's like, well, Bengals are 0-3 on, on coin flips this year. And then it was just funny that Zach brought it up unprovoked. Nobody even asked him about it. Um, and he brought it up in his, his Monday Zoom. Um, so I looked in um, last year, they were eight and eight on coin flips. That's what you're supposed to be. But, <laughs> but this when so ridiculous, they, they only, you, uh, you only get to call it on road games. So yeah. when, when the Bengals actually <laughs> called the coin flip, they were three and six. Oh, because if no. you, you remember they had, <clears throat> they had the, the overtime game in Miami. So they had the extra, uh-huh. the extra chance to call it. That's why there's nine there. This year they're one and three overall and one and two when they call the coin flip. So yeah, definite problem there. They, they definite get- problem. <laughs> definite problem. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, his, I think his point was that he loves, you know, you love the idea of the, the double possession at the end of the first yes. half and starting off and, they haven't really had a chance to do that. They've they've had to, you know, take they've taken the ball first every single game. So, I mean, I don't know what you do. Coin flip practice? I think definitive strategy. Sam Francis, dive in, dive in. Maybe you 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 should be hired on as Sam's assistant, strictly in the department of coin flips. Well, I I wish. Yeah, I I think that watch the broadcast. The, How many broadcasts do you now? You probably can without fans. And everything. How many broadcasts can you hear the call? Yeah, I don't know if you if they do. Like if you go back and watch it on Game Pass, I don't know if they actually show the airing of the of the coin toss. But you would think <laughs> that that you, your your strategy should be call the same thing every single time, and then you're you're almost guaranteed law of averages. You're going to get half. Don't start messing around and going heads sometimes, tails sometimes. That's when you get on a bad run, like at a blackjack table. And you I get, know. You just I'm just I can all home. I can hear. This is you at two in the morning at the blackjack table <laughs> telling people about coin flips. Like I've had this conversation with you before on the road, Jay. It's like some just the true degenerate, you know. After midnight at the blackjack table in Pittsburgh, talking about coin flips percentages and how you go about it. Oh, man. All right. You've got other stats, more important stats. Yeah. And they, they kind of lead into the coin flip because it's the, it's the end of the two minute at the final two minutes of the first half. And and that that is where you can games can turn in a hurry, not just if the, you give up points, but if you're giving up points at the end of the half and then that team gets the ball first in the second half. And they double dip you there. That's that can really swing a game. Um, I wrote about this. It was one of the one of the earlier stories I wrote when I joined the Athletic back in 2018. It was um, I, I, it was going into week three of that 2018 season, and it just seemed like it was it was happening a lot. And I looked it up, and at that point, under Marvin, that the Bengals had given up points in the final two minutes of the first half in 12 out of 18 games. And I can't remember where that was. It was by way ahead of every other team in the league. Um, and that, that first week after I wrote that, 
they they didn't give up one because Carolina like drove down the field and scored with like 220 left. So it was just outside of the two-minute warning. But after that game, after that Carolina game, the Bengals gave up scores in the final two minutes of the first half on nine of the remaining 12 games of that season. And it, it just it, – it, what they, they ended up 23 of 32 in the final 32 games of Marvin's career. And now with, with this team, they've done it four games in a row, five of the last six. Um, it's just, it's, it's an ongoing thing. And it, 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 I mean, Zach talked about it. It's these coaches and players talk about it all the time. Just whatever happens, however good, however bad, move on to the next play. Well, when you're giving up a, a score at the end of the first half, a lot of times that's, the final play or next maybe there's a kickoff and a kneel down after that but there's not a there's not you you can't move right on to the next play you have to go sit and think about it for 12 minutes in the locker room at halftime and he he said I'm not going to lie that does affect you and it 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 just kind of anything you've accomplished in that first half it 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 just kind of it doesn't erase it but it it totally changes the mood at halftime so that is something that Really, it, it's not just the end of the first half. They they gave it up at the end of the game in Philadelphia, the final two minutes of that game to go to overtime. But uh, it it is something that definitely is is a concern and and will be a, a focus of the team moving forward. To now that we're talking about it, it probably won't happen against Jacksonville. Um, but this all it all started actually before I wrote that story uh, going into week three. The the Bengals and the Steelers. That's where it, that is incredible. And (laughs) the Monday night game last year at Pittsburgh in week four, the Steelers got a field goal in in the final two minutes. That made it 23 out of 27 games. The Steelers have gotten points in the final two minutes against the Bengals. And in a few of those games, they scored twice in the final two minutes. (laughs) That's Um, what I love is how many times in this awful streak teams have doubled up on them. Yes. Get one at like 150 and then come in for another one at two seconds. It's like it's almost impossible. But yeah, the Steelers are great at that. It has been uh, a signature, if I if you will, of yes. Bengals football uh, over the last half decade. It's a really bad signature. Uh, but, you know, and it really came to bite them. I mean, it was really the th- a big theme, the, the defensive theme of Sunday's tie. And that was end of the game and and the end of the half. I mean, the, the blown coverage and pass interferences and everything else, you know, what you attribute all that to, I don't know. Not having good enough players, maybe. But um, there's there's a, there's a lot there. I, I, that ha- That's a bit of everything, really. Um, but so be it. All right. Uh, Jade, you got anything else before we head on out of here? Um, no, I think we've covered quite a bit. I mean, if we're talking coin flips and oh, man. right guard, we there's so probably deep. not much else to go. We went so we went. You, you know, you know why you, you know why you let you want the athletic. We'll go places people are uncomfortable going. <laughs> we'll go there. You want you want to go twenty seven hundred words on the right guard position. You want you want uh three minutes of coin flip odds and talk. We got you, baby. We're here. Oh, I do have one more thing. Joe Burrow. 
I just had to throw that in there because I, I think we went through this entire podcast without mentioning his name. And Is when was the last time? I, yeah, when was the last time we had a podcast where we did not mention I, his I, name? I don't know. We did talk about him a lot on the walkout, and we will talk about him on the growler. Joe Burrow just continues to ascend. That's what I'll say about this past week. Great performance from him. He's gotten better, ever, definitively better every week. Uh, starting to make some of the highlight plays, maybe some some you know. I the one interesting thing I thought was Zach Taylor talking about how, um, you know, the team is getting used to his style too. I mean, the, you anticipating him doing things that you wouldn't anticipate most quarterbacks doing, whether it's the play that did get him blown up, um, the pirouette on the sideline, um, you know, some of the throws that he's willing to make and hits he's willing to take out of off script things he's going to do that you've got to be ready for. They're kind of, uh, you know, they're kind of learning that. So yeah, yeah you know, uh, good, good thing to get his name in there. Yeah. A stat. I, I'll have this in final thoughts, but one last thought on Joe Burrow and a stat he's, he's thrown for a 300 the last two games. He's one of only 13 quarterbacks in the Super Bowl era to throw for, for 300 yards twice in his first three games. And if he, or twice in his first four games, which he hasn't played the fourth yet. If he does it again Sunday in his fourth, he'll be one of only three to have 300 yards in three of his first four games, and the other two are Andrew Luck and Cam Newton. Good company if you can have it. Good company if you can have it. Um, all right. Uh, that wraps us up. I want to thank everybody uh, for listening. And again, reminder, if you want to read all that stuff that you've you've heard us reference during the podcast, just go to theathletic.com slash hear that podcast growling and you get a one dollar per month subscription still going on i don't know how much longer we're going to be doing it it was it started in celebration of our one million subscribers um we we're thankful for all of you if you're a subscriber thank you very much um hope you enjoy what the the ad free episodes some people don't some people purposely listen to the ones with the ads so they can hear me say certain ads <laughs> talk about chafing I like Ezekiel Elliott's hairdo in your pants. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, but it, it, if you don't like to hear me talk about nether regions, uh, you know, the ad-free uh, episodes on the Athletic app are great. And a reminder to everybody, the podcast section is up in your personal file. Top left corner, the little face outline profile that has all your stuff in it. That's where all the podcast stuff you use. Open that up podcast is in there now it used to be on the main screen now it is up in that drop down just for anybody that's been looking for it couldn't find it that's where it is anyway all right thanks everybody for listening we'll be back with the growler taking a closer look at jacksonville uh so look forward to that and we'll talk to you later this week have a good one everybody 